The following audio is from Sand Hills Community Church. More information about Sand Hills Community Church is available at www.sandhillschurch.org. So we're going to continue on this morning in our study of the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles handy on your app or in your lap, uh, one way or the other, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today. Now, as you're turning there, here's something I know about you, that if you're somebody who says that you love Jesus, you live a life that to the people around you doesn't make sense, right? It, like you, you spend your time talking about a guy that nobody you know has ever seen, and you spend your time studying a book that hasn't been updated in a couple thousand years, right? You, you gather with a group of people who are a bit odd, and you gather in these locations where you sing songs that are just outside of the normal reality of people that don't go to these kind of places, and you have inclined yourself to do things and not to do things based on what you believe to be true about this guy in this ancient book, right? Now, like, that just makes you weird to everybody around you. You live a life that doesn't make sense. You know, that, in some ways, that's what we're going to talk about this morning as you turn your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, as you're going there, uh, let me just catch you up to, to speed a little bit if you're newer with us about what we're studying here. <clears throat> so by the end of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is defending himself to the church in Corinth, really trying to express to them why they should listen to him. Now, if you're a note taker, and we do give note-taking uh, opportunities, handouts that you received when you came in, you can write right beside this, this first part here, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, because if you write Acts chapter 9, then you go read that later, you're going to find out that the reason... Paul is serving the Lord is because the Lord Jesus himself appealed to Paul to serve him, like actually called out to him, called him into ministry personally. Like Paul really needs no other validation than that. Jesus called me into ministry, that's why I serve. But they lived in a day and age where the popular people were the ones that people listened to. And if you weren't a great communicator, like it sounds like Paul may not have been a communicator, uh, then, then people didn't really want to listen to you. Uh, so what, what Paul had was he had the knowledge of the truth and the call of God in his life. That was all he needed, right? But, but people like more than that. They want you to look good. They want you to speak eloquently. They want to know about the degrees. They want to know about your recommendations. Paul didn't have a lot of that other stuff. I mean, he was certainly educated and smart, but um, they were listening to these other men for the wrong reasons. And so by the time we get to 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is defending himself. So let's start going through this. I will tell you, by the way, as we get into 2 Corinthians 12, this is one of my favorite passages. Now, I will admit, if you've been with me for any time at all, listening to me teach scripture, I have a lot of favorite passages. And I do. You, can't, you know, you can't help it when you love the word of God. But this year, we're going to get to a couple of verses in here that just are the kind that rock your world and, uh, and give you some awesome uh, belief. And you're going to have this this morning, but let's keep going here. Second Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. So just to pause there, he's like, Paul hates this game he's got to play with the Corinthians. He hates it. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to brag about himself. He wants to brag about Jesus, right? He wants to, he wants to point to scripture as what God has given to us and how we can orchestrate our lives around the will of God. He doesn't want to pause to say, here's how great I am, right? He, he doesn't want to be a politician. He wants to be just a, a, a man who delivers the word of God. He knows there's nothing to be gained by this. Um, he knows also it is less important to elevate the messenger than it is to elevate the message, right? You should be listening to me because I bring to you the word of God. 
not because I'm somebody special in and of myself. And we might even say, well, then if he knows that, then why has he spent the last few chapters defending himself? He's trying to break the spell, if you will. The, the, the group of people that are enamored with the eloquent speakers who don't know Christ really. He's just trying to, he's trying to break that spell that these people are under. And, uh, and he, he's going to go ahead and boast. And he knows he hates it. And listen, let's be honest. We get boasting, right? So a lot of us, a lot of us struggle with that. Just as a side note, you're like, like I, if, I did, if I did a survey of hands to say, how many of you know that you struggle with boasting? Like, I'm not gonna do it, church. Let's, try, let's just assume we all struggle. Um, there's a lot of us that would put our hand up. Like, here's how you know. And I would say this, you're probably the last to know, you know, that, that everybody around you knows you struggle with it, but you may not know. But so like when somebody's telling a story, your brain's already going. And when they relate a story that you're already thinking of an encounter you've had that was like that, maybe even better right? And so maybe even before they finish either their tragedy or their heroic event, you've got, and you know what happened to me? Like, oh, dude, I don't care what happened to you. I was sharing my story, right? (laughs) Don't step on my glory, right? But we do that all the time. And listen, as a person who can, I will just confess that a lot of times when people are sharing this, I think, oh, you know, I had that experience too. And if I don't pause to think about it, like, Jeff, you're trying to one-up them. Stop trying to one-up them. Stop trying to compete. Stop trying to compare. Just listen. And when they finish their story, say, that's amazing, or that's really sad, I'm sorry about that, but whatever's going on, you don't have to enter into that by showing your stuff, right? So uh, we already know we struggle with that, and Paul's saying, listen, I don't want to struggle with that. I want to release that. I just want to be who God's called me to be. I just want to teach truth. So then he goes on, he says this. After he starts off with, I must go on boasting, though there's nothing to be gained by it, he says, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. Okay, now, here's, here's something actually really interesting. Paul is talking about, and is going to tell us a little bit more about something he has never mentioned before, nor will he mention it again. This is the only place in Scripture where he's going to talk about this. All right, so I just want to, just to whet your appetite a little bit. Like, we're getting into something here he doesn't talk about anywhere else. And so if you're going like, ooh, I think I missed this. I, I'm anxious to hear. Okay, well, let's hear. Let's hear what he talks about. Let's go on here as he's talking about this experience that doesn't make sense. Verses 2 and 3. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I I do not know. God knows. So let's start with this. So this man that Paul knows is actually Paul. Paul's, he's, talking about, he's talking about himself in third person. Now, probably he's doing this because he's trying to retain his humility. He doesn't want to over-elevate himself. Uh, and I've even had somebody said this to me. Somebody said to me one time, they said, you know, Pastor Jeff, I don't know if you realize this, you talk about yourself in third person a lot. Okay, hold on. Jeff does not talk about himself in third person. I just, I want that to be known. No, he's not like that. Um, but, then, but then going on here, now he makes this comment. I know a man of Christ, this is himself, who 14 years ago, okay, so 14 years ago. Now, if you're a Bible nerd, that's around 42 to 44 AD and sometime before his first missionary journey. This is something special that the Lord gave to him personally before he launched out and started doing all this great work, before this church in Corinth ever existed. So Paul stops and he says, listen, if you need validation, if you need somebody to brag, I don't want to brag on myself, but I know this guy, which is actually himself, who was given these great revelations, these great visions from the Lord. All right, so now if you're like me, you're like, ooh, what did he say? Like, I want to know, what is this great revelation? And it had to do with this, this, this bodily transportation of some sort. Like, he's like, I don't know if this was a dream or if this really happened, right? Now, you, and you've had dreams like that, right? 
Like where you wake up and you're like, that seems so real. Now, aren't you glad, by the way, that a lot of those aren't real, right? Sitting in your underwear in class, right? That kind of thing that I don't want those dreams to be real. But there's something, he's like, I don't know. I don't know if this really happened. Maybe it did, maybe it did. I don't know that. But I do know this. I was taken to the third heaven. Now, we've talked about this before, but when they would talk about heaven or heavens or third heaven, they meant different things by them. So one would be if they referred to the heaven, the heaven is the sky, what historically was called the firmament, which I always thought was weird because firmament sounds like it should be on the ground. Uh, but the sky, the birds uh, in the sky, the, you know, that's just your regular atmosphere here, that's the heaven. Heavens, we make it plural. Now we're talking about the location of the sun, moon, and stars. So we've got the heaven where the birds fly, the heavens, sun, moon, and stars, that's space, and then the third heaven, even beyond that, that's the residence of God. And so Paul was transported to paradise. He doesn't know if it was actually uh, happening to him or if it was a vision the Lord gave him, but he had this experience of being um, uh, translated into this other place where God exists. Now, let's find out what he heard. Verse four. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. That's what he heard and that's what he saw. (laughs) But he literally can't tell us. Like, this is one of the most disappointing verses in all of Scripture. And <laughs> you have got to be kidding me. Like, if I came to you and I said to you, hey, listen, I was just talking to Pastor Malcolm, and he told me a secret that I cannot believe. You would never believe what he just told me. And so you're like, what did he say? Oh, I can't tell you. <laughs> you're like, well, then why even bring it up? You know, God, don't do that to me. And that's what Paul says. Paul says, look, I, God has shown me something amazing. I was transported to paradise. And while I was there, I had these visions. I had these revelations that were absolutely amazing. And you're like, oh, what were they? And he's like, I actually can't tell you. You're like, dude, well, then just stay quiet. Don't say anything. But so this is funny. I was reading a, I was reading a commentator, Dr. David Garland, who writes one of the commentaries I, uh, I read for this. He makes this comment. He said, well, here's, here's probably the reason he doesn't tell us. Because the substance of the vision was not soteriological, nor was it vocational, it was personal. So it's not soteriological in the sense that it didn't have to do with our salvation, so that's not a revelation that we need. It's not vocational, it doesn't have to do with his call as an apostle or how he's going to work out life. It was personal. That God is a gift to Paul, gave him a foretaste of what was to come. And then after he gives it to him, he says, now Paul, you can't tell anybody like, you know, I don't know if you're like me. If God puts that before me, like, would you like to see something that I'm going to show you and you can't ever tell anybody about, or would you rather just wait to the end? I, I'm going to wait to the end. Like, don't show me now, because I can't keep a secret anyway. Like, it's going <laughs> to be ruined. So just, you just, I don't want that. I don't want to be stuck with that. Um, and I'm reminded, too, that, that we've got to be careful not to become enamored with those who claim they've had some sort of vision uh, from God. Um, th- 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 let's do this. Let's imagine that... Uh, for whatever reason, I'm not here next Sunday, okay? <laughs> maybe something tragic happens to me. I'm, I maybe won't use this illustration. My wife's here. That would just be maybe bad. Maybe not. Yeah, life insurance. But um, let's just imagine something happens to me. And then next week, you, you have to start with auditioning new preachers. And so um, you have this preacher that comes out, and in the midst of his you know, audition on the Sunday morning, so to speak, he comes out and he says, now listen, I want to tell you all something. God regularly speaks to me in dreams and visions, And so while I minister to you, as long as you'll have me, I will constantly be incorporating those dreams and visions and things he gives me into the content of my messages, right? So that's part of his audition. All right, the next week, another guy comes up. 
The other guy gets up here and he says, listen, I, I don't know if there's anything special about me, but I will tell you this. I have devoted uh, the last years of my life to studying the Word of God. I've pursued education. Uh, I've read a bunch of books on this. I've sat under the wisdom of uh, accomplished and scholarly men. Uh, I, I know the Word of God, and I know how to understand the Word of God. And as much as you'll have me here, I will seek to share that with you. Now, which guy do you want, number one or number two? All right. We know we should say two, but we kind of want number one, right? <laughs> Just to hear. Now, here's the problem with that. When somebody says to you, God spoke to me, he said this to me. I had this vision God gave me. Like, we're all in, but the problem is, how do you know if he's telling the truth? Like, don't we know enough about humanity that we should be skeptical anytime somebody says that? Like, absolutely. And just because they claim to be a man or a woman of God, I mean, listen, now, I'm not saying God doesn't occasionally speak through visions and truth. I'm not, not at all. What I'm saying is we know he's spoken through this. So this is what we devote ourselves to. And listen, we have a hard enough time getting this right. Don't give me new information. I haven't figured this one out yet, right? So let's, let's keep our attention on the word of God. And so that's what Paul is saying. Paul says, the reason I'm not sharing this with you is because I don't want you to elevate me too high. Like, oh, God's shown him this. He must be special. Paul says, I'm not special nor does he want to be disregarded so that we don't listen to him. Paul just wants the attention to be on Jesus, not on himself. And that's why he doesn't give us and and tickle our fancy to tell us uh, what we would like to hear. And then he goes on to this, verse five. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Now, he's he's kind of divided himself into two men here. Like that other dude that had those visions, revelations, wow, I'll boast about that guy. But as for me, no, I'm not going to boast about me. If I'm going to boast, I'll just boast about my weaknesses because that's who I am. Like, wow, Paul, what a, what a heart of humility there. Verse six, though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So he knows how we're wired he knows we want to hear the, the fanciful, the stuff we haven't heard before. We, like, we are inclined to that. And the, you know one of the ways I know this. And let me just say, I hope it's not Sandhills people, but if somebody dies or goes through a medical experience and they, they come back and they say, I died, I came back, I had a picture of heaven, I've written a book about it, pay me $20 and I'll share it with you, right? Like that, that should already be a warning sign, right? But, but we are inclined to hear those things. Like, and if somebody comes to you and says, oh, I just read this book, And this guy had this amazing experience, after-death experience where he goes to heaven. It's so real. You should read this. Like, we're inclined to like, ooh, I want to read that. Don't read it. Don't buy the book. Like, everything you need to know is right here, right? You don't have to go for this fanciful stuff. But we're inclined to do that. And people get rich off of taking our money to to share stuff like that. Like, don't do that. Paul says, let's keep this in perspective, that we don't want to brag about that. He knows the heart of man. Let us stay humble. He knows how we're wired. There's nothing special about any person. The only thing special is Jesus himself. Then we get to verse seven, and then we have something new. We have an affliction now that doesn't make sense. And I think you'll agree with me if you haven't read this recently. Verse seven. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. All right, so just to start with the basics, we know what a thorn is, right? Everybody's had a thorn. It is so horrible. You get this thing in there, and then you brush against it in the slightest. And the worst is like when you can't see it, but you know it's there. You'd be like going along, and you'll brush something. You'd be like, ah, what? 
I know it's in there. Where is that thing? Or, or even worse still is, is when they go in, but then they get submerged, and so you have to dig them out. Like that's, oh, those are horrible. I remember I was working in the yard one time in my backyard, and I was barefoot, and I was doing something, and I stepped on something with my heel, and I was like, ow, you know, like, ooh, what is that? And I looked down, and I could just see the bottom of my heel, this little black speck. And I was like, oh, I've stepped on a thorn. So I was like, well, let me just go about my day. So I went about my day, but the more I went about my day, the more my heel began to hurt. And so finally I got to a point where like, I can't take this anymore. And I had to do the surgery. And you know, so, you know when you're working on yourself, I don't know about you, I'm pretty tender. Like, like I, get the, I get the little knife out there and I'm like, ah, I don't want to cut that. I had to make a little cut to get down to it. You know, it's the worst. And then I get the tweezers in there and I finally grab the head of it and I pull out like this inch long thread of metal. And I pulled out. And then, you know, when you, have you ever done this where you, you do something and now you're sicker than you were beforehand? Like, you know, I pull this long shard out and I'm like, oh, what? How did that get in there? Like, wow, that was the perfect step. How did that even happen? You know, and then I pull it out. But then, you know, you're like, oh, oh, really? Now, what if though? What if you had to live with that? And every day you felt it. Every time you brushed against it, you felt it. Paul says, I was given a thorn in the flesh. But this thorn is a messenger from Satan. So a messenger from Satan was given to me. Here's a question for you. Who gave that messenger to Paul? The Lord. The Lord allowed the messenger or sent the messenger, one of the two. Now, I know you would say, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, well, you're going to have to argue with the Lord on this one because this is something God allowed to happen, and Paul knows why. Paul knows it would be because he would be too proud now think about Paul, the Apostle Paul. He had an amazing upbringing, really. I mean, his education, his scholarship, absolutely amazing. He has always had some privilege in leadership and authority before he was a Christian and after he was a Christian. And now that he's a Christian, he has these surpassing revelations, these amazing things that God has given to him. And now he teaches the church of God. He's helping to establish the vehicle through which God will spread the gospel for the rest of their lives, through, through which you have gathered today as a result of his ministry years and years ago. He's that guy. But with all of that, God knew, Paul, if I don't keep you humble, you're going to get away from me. And so he, he seeks to keep him humble by allowing Satan to get right up close to him and afflict him. That's what he does. Like, that's, I don't know about you. It kind of bothers me a little bit. I struggle with that a little bit. But I know this too, though. I also struggle with humility, right? God doesn't want us to be proud. How many people here have ever felt like God has intentionally humbled you? Just anybody intentionally humbled you. All right. And the people that aren't raising your hands, you just didn't recognize it, right? Which means you're going to go to school again. He's going to, he'll take you back there. He's going to show you one more time. You didn't pick up on the first time. I'm going to take you back there, teach you humility. And so I will tell you, um, when I think about humility, like for me, humility is one of those things, if I were to find it, where I would say this, humility is having the right, but denying the opportunity. Having the right, but denying the opportunity. Like you have the right to talk about how great you are. You deny that opportunity because you want to stay humble. You have the right to tell people how educated you are, you deny that. You have the right to tell people about this experience or this event, but you deny the opportunity. Why? Because you're trying to keep the spotlight off yourself. Like, I don't need to turn the attention to me. And so you, you try to embrace humility. And so because I know God wants to keep his servants humble, and he has often humbled me many times, um, I have had a prayer. This is, I'm not even kidding. This is a real prayer I've had before the Lord. Lord, please keep me humble without allowing me to be humiliated. Right? I, I just want the first part. Don't make me earn it, right? (laughs) Allow me to be humble without being humiliated. That's been my prayer before the Lord. So here's Paul wrestling with this, this thing that he knows is from the enemy. And just logically speaking, you would think that Satan would be quite pleased with this. 
that Satan has either been invited to by God or given the opportunity by God to afflict perhaps one of the greatest servants of God ever. You would think that Satan would delight in this. And yet, every time Satan afflicts Paul, what does Paul do? He leans into Jesus. So when he is afflicted, he turns back to the Lord. So what Satan would use for his own glory ends up producing the glory of the Lord. Uh, Let me just remind you of this. Satan never gets the glory. Never. Anything he does where he thinks he is clever and creative and, and confronting the will of the Lord, he never gets the glory. The cross, his moment perhaps of greatest triumph was the moment of his defeat. Satan never gets the glory. The glory always goes to God. It's just that Satan can't see it coming. Look at verse eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times. Now, don't you think the Lord listens to Paul like more than you and me? Like Paul should get some pull here, right? And so he comes to the Lord three times. He says, I came. Now it's funny, he says three times, which probably indicates he stopped after three because the Lord answered him. So the third time he comes, Lord, please take this from me, remove this from me. And again, we don't know what it was. Uh, theologians have argued about what was this thorn in the flesh. We don't know. I mean, some say it was an, an internal thing. Was it a psychological struggle? Maybe a temptation struggle? Was it, was it that? Did he have some sort of illness, some sort of sickness? Was his eyesight bad? Did he struggle with migraines? Like what kind of thing might he have been struggling with? Uh, was it an external thing? The, the affliction from the people uh, in the church or the people that are, are confronting him, the Judaizers, all this kind of stuff? Like, here's the thing. We don't know and it doesn't really matter. He knows that it's from the evil one and that God has permitted it or sent it and he's okay with that. And here's why. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, we know this. There's, there's an uncomfortable reality when we follow the Lord. I, I mentioned this last week. I, I wish that when we gave our lives to Jesus, that everything in life would go smoothly, right? All your relationships would even out. You know, your clothes would never be wrinkled. Uh, you'd have all the money you ever needed, the car you wanted to drive, the spouse you wanted to have or not have. Like, they were like everything, everything would just work out. You know, it'd just be great. Now, it doesn't work that way. And let me just say, praise the Lord. Because if that's how it worked, people would be coming to Jesus for the things they would get out of him rather than coming to him for him, right? So we, we have to be careful there, but we would think that God would operate differently. Like if you ask me, do you think God would ever allow his servants to be afflicted by the enemy? I would say yes, and it is for their good and his glory. But most of us would say, oh, that didn't sound right. That doesn't sound right to me that he would do that. And yet he comes, he says, listen, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. You do realize, by the way, this isn't just a message to Paul. Like would would any of us say, well, God's grace is only sufficient for Paul. (laughs) If it's not sufficient for all of us, we're in trouble, right? So listen to this present tense. My grace is sufficient for you. Which means then, whatever you are going through, and if I were to take a, a survey of hands, who here is going through something? Whether it's relationships, uh, your job, your school, uh, physical afflictions, like everybody's going through something. And some of you just got going through some serious stuff. Some of you have some serious stuff coming. Can I remind you that God has a message for you? My grace 
is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. The weaknesses you encounter may be the greatest gift you receive from God. Because when you're afflicted, you lean into Jesus. Like Paul's attitude here is really to be emulated. Paul says this, Lord, if this is from you, I'm not just going to accept it. I'm going to embrace it. Like I will own it. This will be mine. God's grace is sufficient. And here's why, because it shapes his identity in Christ. Look at verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then, I don't miss the first words. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Like, you know, this, for some of you this morning, like you should almost be jumping up and down right now because God just brought you the message you needed, right? Because you're hitting the walls in life. You're frustrated. You don't know why this is happening. And I would even bet that some will come here this morning thinking like, this is it. I'm, I'm going to go to church. I'll go one more time. Like, I'm about to give up on this whole thing. And then you get here this morning, and you realize God's speaking to you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And listen, we're all weak. Now, we don't want to be, right? None of us wants to be weak, and none of us wants to confess that we're weak. And we're all in positions at some point where we have to lead and we have to make decisions. And so uh, you may be the boss of your own company. Uh, you may be a student. You may be a spouse, uh, just a good friend, whatever. But you've got these areas of responsibility. You know, one of the greatest things you could ever do is just own the fact that you don't have it in you to be all that you should be in that area. Like, if anybody ever came to me and said, like, my wife came to me. She said, you know, you're not the best husband. I'm like, well, there's a newsflash. You know, like, I know I'm not the best husband, right? And so I went to school. I went to seminary. I mean, my professors could have said to me, Jeff, you're not the sharpest student. I know that. Your grades tell me that. Like, I know. Like, I've done all work up there. I don't know what's happening. Like, this, like, I'm not the best friend. I'm not the best this. I'm not the best that. But here's the thing. None of that is an excuse. Let's first of all own that. None of that's an excuse. I should be trying to be and learning to be the best husband, the best uh, leader, the best man that I can be in this world. I should be growing in that, putting my effort forth. I have to do that. Doesn't excuse any of my irresponsibility. But at the end of the day, if you say, Jeff, you just don't have what it takes, I would say, I know. I'm glad I have Jesus. It covers the rest, right? Like, like I already know I'm weak. I'm just leaning into Christ so that he can make up for all the rest. And so if anything good happens at the end of the time, I already know that didn't happen because I'm amazing. And because God is, right? And that's all of our stories. That when we get through life and people are like, how could you do it? How could you put up with what you put up with? How could you go through this? How could you endure? You're like, oh, I don't have it in me. That's something Jesus did. I just happened to lean into him and his strength was my weakness. And my weakness was his strength. So this is why then we can live a life that doesn't make sense. We can live a life that the people around us look at it, they go, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, because we all have thorns, right? We all have thorns. Now, I should say this, not, not all thorns are from Satan, right? <laughs> like some of the stuff we do, we're just getting what we reaped, right? What we sowed. So let, me, I just, let me just say this. So we have three enemies in life, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, the world is a system that just kind of works against us and against the will of God. That's a natural system that, that is contrary to the will of God. The flesh is another one. Like you, you know, right? That your body's breaking down. The only people that don't know that are young people, right? So, so I, I just turned, a couple weeks ago, I just turned 49, just 49. I remember when my dad turned 40 when I was a kid and I thought he was way old, right? I like, I'm blowing by 40, I'm cruising on. And I got weird things happening now, right? I got like, 
this thing, I got the reader thing. I can't even see, like, I can't read my receipts anymore. I feel like an idiot. Like, young man, could you please tell me how much I owe this waitress? Please, thank you. Like, I feel like an idiot. Like, my body's, I woke up this morning, like, I got something going on in my leg. Like, I'm at the point in life right now where I'm suffering sleep injuries. <laughs> I'm talking to buddies, they're like, I was doing this activity, I threw my back out, I threw my arm out, I was working out at the gym. Yeah, I slept wrong. I got something... I got something happening right here. I don't know. It's weird. That's weird. I must have been on one. Yeah, I don't Yeah. What is happening to me? What is happening? And then as I look out here, it gets worse. <laughs> I just, um, we, we got problems, right? We know that. We know what's coming. So, yeah, some of you are just getting it. So, the, the idea of we got three enemies the world, the flesh, and then we do have the devil. We do have an intelligent enemy that hates God and hates his people, and he's working against us. So we've got, we've got thorns, no matter what they are world, flesh, or devil. We've got thorns that are afflicting us. Now, with that in mind, then, I've got to figure out how to do life in the context of my thorns and in my difficulties. And my idea is that we should listen to Paul as our model. Here's something you need to know about Paul Paul is not just trying to find help and hope to make it through every day. This is really important. You've got to catch this. Don't miss this one. He is not just saying, Lord, I'm struggling so much. My life is so hard. Can you just get me through today? Because if that's how he's living, it's still all about Paul. And if that's how you're living, your life is all about you. Lord, just get me through this day. Just give me the strength I need to make it through this day. You're the focus. See, Paul doesn't want strength just to make it through the day. Paul wants strength to be the man of God that God has called him to be, to make a difference in this world despite the pain, to change the destinies of the people around him despite his afflictions. He's not looking just for hope for the day. He's looking to the hope of Christ so he could tell the world about what God has done. Can I offer, this is what God wants from us. Not just this, Lord, give me enough strength to get through it. God's like, no, I want more for you than that. I'm not just worried about you getting through the day. I can take care of your day. That's not an issue. I've been doing that for thousands of years. I want you to change the world. That's the call of God. And so if I could reorient our thinking a little bit just to say this, despite all we go through, God is not just trying to make your day a little bit better. He has got a mission and he wants you on board. And if you say, I don't know that I've got it in me, great, you're in the right place right? You don't have it in you. There's no mystery to that. And so these things that he's called us to engage, like I would say this, the first thing you have to do is you've got to lean into your weaknesses. You've got to lean into your weaknesses. In your deficiency, you find his sufficiency, right? In your deficiency, you will find his sufficiency. He is all that you need. And second, I would say this, you've got to get involved in kingdom work. That's what you're designed for. Like the rescue of Christ, absolutely. We submit ourselves to the will of Jesus. We follow him faithfully, trusting he died for us, was resurrected, paid our penalty. But, but now then we follow him and we become the change agents uh, in this world. And we honor the Lord by the way we live and we seek him out and we know his word and we gather with his saints and we praise his name and we do the work in the world that he's called us to do. Work that is beyond us. And he has commissioned, not just paid ministers, he's commissioned all of us to change this world. This great commission, like that's, that's something we all should wear. Like, like here's the thing, in the church, we already know we struggle. What about people outside these walls that have no hope whatsoever, that need to be reminded that, that God's got a plan for them? I had a weird story a, a couple weeks ago, I was with a brother here at the church, we went out to uh, Texas Roadhouse, 
And uh, we're sitting there, and I normally like to, this is something you can do, by the way, this, I find this helpful. When the server comes to the table, normally what I will say is, hey, we're going to be praying for our meal. As we do that, is there anything we can pray for you? And uh, the servers generally respond well. I've not had any of them attack me for it. Um, and this lady that, at Texas Red House, she was like, oh, uh, yeah, just pray for everything. I was like, okay, we will pray for everything. And, uh, and so she goes to leave, and as she goes to leave, she stops, and she comes back. She said, oh, actually, my son is really sick. Could you, could you pray for my son? I said, yeah, we'd be glad to do that. Tell me, tell me his name. What's going on? So she shared with us his story. I said, okay, we'll definitely pray for him. And so then she leaves. And so I was telling this brother, I said, you know, we've got to invite this woman to church. I don't know where she goes. Maybe she goes somewhere. But if she's got nothing else going on, she needs to come here, hear the word of God and encounter Christ. And, um, and so we, we agreed we we're going to do that. Well, then after that, unfortunately, she was just kind of doing flybys of our t- table. You know, it came in, we finished our meal. She's throwing stuff down, picking it back up. Going, it's like she's never pausing long enough for us to have a conversation. And uh, we get to the end of the meal and like she's gone. And I had this card I wanted to give her. Like, there are cards in the back of the seat there that, you know, when you do a good deed for somebody, you can do those, leave an extra big tip for your server. Um, but I, I had a card for the church, and I was like, I wanted to give this. I guess, I guess I could just leave it. And so we were getting up to leave, and as we're getting up to leave, she, like, runs back over to our table. She's like, oh, wait, 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 before you leave. <sighs> I just wanted you to know that when you prayed for me earlier, that meant so much to me. So, I mean, these, these simple things. And then I said, yeah, listen, God's got something for you. You've got to, we're part of a great church here in town. Now, I didn't tell her I was a pastor. That would have seemed self-serving. You, you got to come hear this guy. He's, he's amazing. Amazing. So, no, not that. So, we just, we just said, hey, listen, we're part of a great church here in town. We'd love to have you come uh, visit with us. Come, God's got a plan for your life. And so, I said, yeah, we got a great children's program. Your son would be great. All this kind of stuff. So, we had a good talk. But just a reminder, and the thing I've got to be reminded of is the people that we're bumping into every day, They've got a story that God is ready to do in their lives, but we need to invite them in. And so I want you to invite someone, invite them in to what God has for them. And one of the best ways to do that is simply to invite them to church with you. Your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, invite them to church with you. And then beyond that, I would say this, that we've got ways to serve here in this church and we need your help. Whether you want to wave to people and get them a good parking space, or you want to say hi to them when they walk in the church or give them a cup of coffee, or... If you want to serve in the children's ministry and hold babies or teach children or teach in our community groups ministry or whatever it would be. And I know, I know that many people will say who aren't serving right now will say, I don't, I don't think I can do that. And I say, oh, I know that's what makes you perfect. It's not just that we know you're weak. We want you to know it too. Because when you know it, then you'll lean into Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for um, this thing that you're doing. It's beyond us. We are... We're, we're weak people, Father, and I know that if we want to be great, we don't try to be great. We need to be faithful. And so if we want to be great, Father, help us to be faithful, faithful servants of Jesus Christ, submitting ourselves as fully as we can to our Lord and Savior, and to be like those other weak people that we read about in Scripture, people like Abraham and Moses and David and the disciples, people who in and of themselves didn't have what it took, but when they encountered the power of the resurrected Savior, they had a strength that overcame any weakness that they could ever have. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Sandhills Community Church. Feel free to share this with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information, please visit our website at www.sandhillschurch.org